0: March 26, 2021. It's a watch for Pedro show.
1: On the uh, more or less private thing mm. for myself uh, on the cover of an Albert Eiler record released in Denmark was a story that you once should have had a dream in which you were playing like Albert Eiler. Mm. That's, that's what his story said.
2: No kidding. Who wrote that? I don't know. Just just somebody who wrote the line or knows? Well, it's, it's kind of true. It's, it's really true. Because right, so I had a dream. I had a dream once, and the whole band was playing like that. You know? And I don't know whether I was in the band, but I, either I felt the band was mine or I was in it, but I was watching this band. I had a dream like that around about nineteen fifty fifty seven, you know, and the whole band man had that kind of sound. Also so that's really true.
3: That's it. Uh, no, it was it's, it's more, it's it.
1: more. It was more or less suggested that it, you had that dream after you had
2: had heard Albert Eiler. Well, See? It, yeah. Well, it happened that, before. That, I had it before. Then.
1: That's
2: not it? Yeah. Yeah, I had it before. Then. It's different. I knew. I knew this was uh, coming. I knew this was coming I just, I felt it was coming I didn't know I don't know the future but I, I felt this was coming we heard uh, Love
1: Supreme yesterday mm-hmm. and I know the record of course I played it on my uh, program mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> in the liner notes if I may call so on uh, Love Supreme he said it's not the complete work which is on the record for instance when I compared the record with uh, what I heard yesterday uh, there is no bass solo not that long anyway on the, on the record and you talked about the part that Archie Shep was playing was was left out
2: yeah well the first part of it uh, we, Archie Shep played on it and I think I had another bass on there but I, I didn't use this, this part because I had I had two parts. I had one part that I was singing on, and I had another part not singing, chanting. Then I had another part that Archie and the other bass was on. And when I and editing, editing, and I, I felt that I wanted to use the part that I had the, uh, the singing on. See. So that's the one we did use. But I made a thing recently with uh, Archie. Oh yeah. And uh also another young tenor man named uh, Farrell Saunders, mm-hmm. who is uh, something to hear too. And Freddie Hubbard and uh, Trumpeter and Dewey Johnson and uh, mm-hmm. Marion Brown on how told John Shikai A big band thing, you know. Which is and the way you smile it's I like it, well it, you know, it's something. It's something there, yeah. yeah, it's something in it I like, yeah. Is this carbonated water here? Uh, or is it... Well, i taste it and see. Oh, this is uh, lemonade. Yeah, it's, uh... Hmm. Uh, do Anyway. Okay.
1: Let's take a Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm. just... One other thing. <clears throat> I've, in fact, I've never been at... Uh, open-air jazz, festival, jazz festivals I, well, like this, but you've played uh, Newport no several times, I guess, and uh, in fact, I know, and uh, it's minor festival in, 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 the, in, the, in the States. When well, you compare them to, the, to this affair, yeah.
2: How do I compare the I mean festivals the, the, in the yeah, States to this?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, reaction, reaction from the crowd. Was was the crowd noisier or... or, or uh, well, they, they compare. Better.
2: They're about the same. You know, it's about the same as the ones I've been on. It's about the same.
1: Because for for, for ten thousand people that that are here in this park, they're pretty quiet when they're
2: Ten like thousand. Yeah. When were there ten thousand there? That, that's what they but but what they say that uh, the park can hold man. The park that we played last night. Yeah. Is it can hold ten thousand? It didn't look that big to me.
1: It didn't look that big to me either, (laughs) but uh, somebody who had to do something with the organization said it can hold 10,000 people.
2: You should know. But
1: they're pretty quiet.
2: For 10,000.
1: You like like, like to play these affairs like these open air things?
2: No, I don't prefer them because uh, usually the acoustics are kind of horrible, you know. I prefer a certain type of club, but I don't. know, We can't always get that either. Or a concert hall, you know, good. I find the smaller places, the more compact they are, the better. We, our sound is held together, you know, and we can hear and feel each other better. The smaller mm-hmm. the places. You like
1: the, uh, the, the concert
2: the in Amsterdam? Like mm-hmm.
1: The concertgebouw in Amsterdam, you know, that concert hall. In yeah, we get a
2: good sound there. I can hear. I can hear. Yeah, I can hear pretty well. I can hear everything, you know. Some places, as soon as you hit the first note, it goes all over the place, and it's, you can't feel the floor of the thing, you know. Are you
1: distracted very much by by, by outside interference? I mean, noisy, noisy crowds, people walking around, uh, people taking taking pictures. Because I ask um, that because because you you don't look like it. See, mm-mm. you're not too much disturbed. By it.
2: Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Too concentrated on the music. Oh, yeah, well. People the... You know the problems that I have in music—they're uh, always there. You know, so I, 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 they take take my time pretty completely. You know.
0: Friday, I think the last one for March 2021 and uh, soon is D Boone's B-Day April Fool's mm-hmm. Ah, you can hear, I'm not man alone Well, I should tell people we started off with John Coltrane talking to Michael D. Reuter, July 27, 1965 a little bit there, spiel Mr. John Coltrane Joe Beiser told me it was trippy to hear his voice for the first time The North Carolina guy and then we had Jeff Harnell, Casey Block, Aaron Duggan, and Silver Ash. I guess they were supplementing this other unit. We'll, we'll get an explanation. Uh, with Lifeboat. And, uh, yeah, Brother Maddie said, The love grotto on the pleasure point. Come by, I because It's still quite quarantino mode, but I'm not, man. Alone. Those engineers in Estonia with their Skype invention. We got Jeff Arnell with us. Jeff, bring your your earliest musical recollection, please.
4: I grew up in um, outside of Atlanta. And at that time, when I grew up, there was a lot of space. And even though music wasn't around, I was outside a lot. And I was, um, I think that that, even though I've lived in a lot of cities, um, you know, through my life, uh, there's, I was just tuned in to some of the sounds around me in that open space. And uh, so I don't know um, how I got the art bug or the music bug and those musical memories. Uh, I you know I, I think at some point in middle school, um, I have an older brother, and he started bringing records home. And I think that that is when I started fully, like, Tuning into music that was being made. Well, you said you're outside, so
0: maybe it was the music of nature—those natural rhythms, like wind and birds—and yeah. Uh, but but there was no instruments in the pad.
4: No m- instruments at all, and I actually couldn't. You know, because uh, I was trying to think about how I even decided to get a drum set, or I think the first drum set that I got, I had a, You know, really. You know, advocate for it.
0: What, were you in the choir, the marching band, or shit like that?
4: No. And uh, I think I got turned on because I started listening to records and started um, Hallow Ground by the Valentines. Whoa. Okay. And the first gig you saw? Well, that's a special moment that uh, you're a part of, Mike. Um,
0: I didn't know. Well, I'm getting to the mind reading part, but in the meantime, I don't know. Jeff, please use, words, I please use words.
4: Please use words. So, and I and I'm not even a collector, you know. Like I like listen to records or yeah. tapes or whatever is around. But I dug this out this morning because I knew that we were going to talk, and it's a uh, two ticket stubs from um, 1985 from the Fox Fabulous Fox Theater, November 30th, 1985. I would have been 14. I saw your band, the Minutemen, open for R.E.M. I I was part of the band. (laughs) Hey, Watts band. (laughs) Yeah, excuse me. Sorry. But... And I remember the
0: venue because they have little lights in the overhead that are like stars.
4: Yeah, it's such a cool theater and uh, was such a great experience. And I was really lucky that um, I was able to witness uh, that and be there. And I do think that that I got a little bit of a bug. And that is... uh, I saw some, a bunch of other gigs at the Fox and other places in Atlanta and Athens uh, throughout the 80s and 90s, but uh, that was the first gig that I saw, or first band that I saw. was uh, You were part of it, so I am grateful for that. So so you saw George Hurley play drums? Yeah, I did. And uh, Were you playing um, by then? Well, no, I think that all of this started happening around the same time, and I can't really place a time on when I started playing the drums, but... I was nowhere is I was just like, you know, I think I got a three piece, like a drum, a bass drum, a snare drum and a Tom mounted Tom and a ride symbol. And I'm like, how is that a drum set now? And, but it was definitely, uh, I had to then save up some money to get the other parts of the kit, like the floor Tom and the hi-hat. Well, what about instruction? Was
0: it with man alone? You just manhandle or, or did you get to, yeah,
4: I started out that way. And then uh, eventually, you know, it, it really just dug in deep, and music has been and art has been part of my my life from that moment on, but I um started on my own and then um got some really good teachers down in Georgia and eventually went to college uh up in baltimore and uh um, you know so it really started it music saved my life, man for sure yeah yeah and because I think it continues
0: like, to save my life today. you know how Georgie yeah. did it. He got some headphones and the the Who first record, My Generation, and oh, a yeah. uh, Billy Cobham Spectrum.
4: Well, I don't know how you play along with that, but that's <laughs> well, both, <okay>. both.
0: That's how <laughs> he used those two records
4: to teach himself drums. <laughs> Just went he at knows, it. Uh, yeah, that uh, he plays uh, what left-handed, so that's a whole twisty turny thing
0: i don't know even george you knew that right because he's just getting the <laughs> shit over the headphones <laughs> yeah. and he's just you know what i mean he just wanted to learn drums and, and made himself do it and uh
2: oh he's great got rid runner. of the yeah. skateboard
0: and so I got, i'm glad you got to see that because that was one of the that's one of the last two weeks of the, the band's history
4: yeah i i hold that I hold that um That event and that evening is uh, kind of a start of a chapter, a a big chapter of my life. Well, let's play.
0: Let's play something a little different. Crickets for magnetic tape. For our show. Start that chunk of music off with crickets for magnetic tape. Jeff Arnell. Or sort of jellies at Pink Pond from Dustin Wong. Mm. Dustin's got a brand new record next week, huh? It's incredible. Mm. Dustin Wong. Where does everybody get their music now? At the badcamp.com place, right? Because there's no middleman yeah. motherfuckers. Uh, Tobacco after that with Stridex Dealer. Mr. Tom out of Pittsburgh, brand new. Bombers Prendon, Black and Bluegrass. eight. Just got another uh, trove of archive stuff released. Hands Rotten out of Switzerland. No Force. Jim on the move. Hardcore in my blood from slang. From High Five Club with uh, Eugene Chadbourne. I think he's in Winston-Salem. That was one of the last gigs, Mm -hmm. too. I think Charlotte was the last gig Uh, for Minute Man. Entitled uh, Ig and Thirst Jamming in Little Haiti, part of Miami, 2016. It's the third part, and then finally, heart for Milford Graves, Aaron Dugan, Jason Fraticelli, and Jeff Arnold. And uh, we lost brother Milford Graves, incredible music yeah. man, yeah, beautiful man. But he 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 put in a long shift and he shared a lot of knowledge, it's beautiful.
4: Yeah, I'm, I'm really um happy that I was able to get to know him, and uh, that track is is for Milford, but it's uh you know i think it's for all of us and how so we could be tuned in to uh how our internal rhythms and our heart uh is connected to each other and everything
0: yeah because especially when you get like educated music right some people take it into like the realm of sports like they'll use john coltrane's giant steps to cut each other
4: mm <laughs> Fuck. Well, I think if you get some musicians together, even uh, um, the, the the best ones like like Milford, they'll tell you some really uh, funny stories about each other.
0: <laughs> <laughs> funny stories are okay, but this idea that yeah, you you, you use uh, music as a club to uh, say you're you're not good enough, I, I think that's oh yeah, that's kind of lame.
5: lame. but anyway,
0: back to your story. I keep fucking. Getting on tangents and driving you off the road here. I'm so sorry. That's all right. So, so sorry, Jeff. So, uh, first time you played in
4: front of people? Um, We set up a gig um, in Stone Mountain, Georgia. Um, I played there once. Which, yeah. <laughs> it's probably not at this place, but it was like a, a social place, a VFW or something. And uh, my buddy, who was a neighbor, used to spend half of his time in. Detroit with his dad, I think, and half of his time with his mom next door. And he was coming back to Georgia and we were, we did a kind of a welcome home party for him. And uh, we, so we set up the gig and our, my little group played at that gig.
0: So you, you had a band, but this is the first
4: gig. So like it was a practice band? Just messing around, yeah, uh, pra- covers. yeah. And uh, we wrote, you know, I wrote a little stuff, I played guitar a little bit back then too. And um, um, but I think that night we played all covers, it was a real mix. Um, you how, know, some... how did you get on the guitar? Because you know, it's interesting because I think that there's uh, when you're playing and you're around folks and this is the thing about music saving my life and maybe i'm sure it saved lots of other people's lives uh where it's so closely connected to kind of mischief and and drugs and you know downtime that some of the guys that i was playing with you know they were drifting one way and the guitars were just around and so it's kind of like well if we're going to do something we should write some songs and i just started playing so i just taught you know started writing a little bit of songs and that ends up where you get something like cricket for magnetic tape is when i went to school and just started studying music and started learning about um composition and how uh you know all of these things that i was into um I'm still into um, new music like modern classical music and and jazz and uh, this independent uh, rock music, how they're all connected so, and so, so, how they can kind of play.
0: Let me get this straight. You, you you grabbed onto the guitar because you wanted a composition tool and you couldn't yeah, find sure. it with the drums.
4: Yeah, yeah. I wrote a couple, I mean, you know, nothing. Uh, but I did, uh, I remember just teaching myself all the scales, which pretty, you know, it's set up in a nice way, the guitar, the guitars in general. Uh, same with the piano. Um, and just started learning that uh, myself. But then I did, you know, I had a buddy, uh, my friend's mom taught music lessons. I studied with her before I went to college and uh, she really helped me out. She was a great, uh, she is, I, she, she's still around. She, uh, um, she's like one of those ladies who teaches you, uh, teaches p- piano lessons out of her house and, and then you know we put it was the funniest thing we put um what is it the the doors light my fire right you know in front of her you know, and she could just sight read like whatever and she would put it in front of her and just cranked it out and we were like just cracking up about it uh because she was a you know church piano player
0: no it's 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 like uh reading something from shakespeare right you weren't around 400 500 years ago but you learned how to read so you could
4: yeah, she and, and she was of, great. So she taught yeah. me a little bit of uh, music theory and a little bit of uh, uh, um, piano, and then yeah, and then I went. Uh, so what's so what's
0: the problem with composing on? You know, Chico Hamilton had problems getting songwriting credits. Oh, drummers cannot write songs. What's mm. what's the, you know because a big mission of mine is trying to make the bass guitar a composition tool.
4: It is for sure that first record that you asked about, uh, Brian Ritchie man. Phew, from uh, Viol- violent fam, yeah, 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 that's a lead instrument, that's a motive, a drive. I'm not method. talking
0: about lead instrument, I'm talking about as a tool in composing,
4: right? Well, I and, I, and I know,
0: he, I know he was a big, I think Gordon, all their big hits was this, the singer guitar man, but I think Brian wrote a lot, bunch too,
4: yeah, He's and in I, Tasmania, you're absolutely days. right. I don't know how drummers get credit, I think that, uh kind of going back to someone like Milford or Andrew Surreal or Sonny Murray or these guys who were more into jazz uh, music, how they're able to um, change what a drummer does in a band. And, and, you know, the credit, I don't know. I mean, I think it's either a collective unit um, and you share credit or um, all of that stuff is a little bit of, it's still a mystery to me. I think think part of the
0: problem is the notes are real short on a drum. So, like, they're just thinking, oh, it's just a rhythm thing. But actually, there are notes, right? They just last a tiny little fucking time. Uh, it's, yeah. it's
4: just, it's, I mean, it changes the dynamic. I mean, if one drummer's in one band and then he's in, not in that band, it's a different group.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, what, What? Hunt Sales, right? The, the beginning lust for life. There's debate over that stuff. Oh, yeah. But even though that came over our forces radio i mean who has the ideas on these things i guess i was just uh, i'm really interested in people that, that aren't on piano and drums also composing that's what am mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, what's that called democracy or some shit
4: <laughs> <laughs> it might be you know um i always thought uh, and it kind of goes you mentioned the natural sounds i think crickets is about that it was recording actually doing field recordings of crickets and then using a quarter inch uh, real to real to put that together. So that was in '94. That was, you know, and that was there was no Pro Tools didn't exist at that point, and uh, so it was really splicing tape. And it was looking at the way they did that stuff in the '50s, you know, um, the early kind of electronic music pioneers put, you know, John Cage and Edgar Varèse, how they put tapes together.
0: Well, the big like, tape uh, person was a lady named uh, uh, D- Delia Derbyshire. Dar- Oh yeah, she she performed the first version of the Doctor Who theme, and that's all from cutting fucking tape.
4: It's amazing, and and so and I think that uh, but it's organ, you know, it's organizing sound. I think the the way the drums, the way that I think about uh, playing music is is really uh, composing, and that's probably why I don't play in a band, or I've never really played in a band. I just, uh, you know find these different situations uh where um you could make something together and we could work on something together and um i'm you know we're even though we're shut down we're doing a little bit of that now and that was with the dugan track and uh jason Freddicelli, that track was done just this month so
0: you're saying like the traditional role of the drummers like perpetual side man
4: Yeah, maybe. Uh, I mean, if there's no singer, where does the democracy, it goes to, what, guitar? I don't know. Right.
0: Well, you know, me being (laughs) this kind of middle thing, right? Hot, cold, lukewarm, whatever the fuck. That spinal tap shit. The bass is kind of like a drummer. So I I have a big heart for drummers. Especially with fucking rock and roll, because it's a rhythm music. Yeah,
4: and the drums and bass are just so... Uh, so connected and so critical if it's something's going to work or not. Um, right,
0: right, right. I mean, it looks like a guitar, but where's it sounds? Kick and tom. Maybe if you slap, there's a little snare drum there, but it's not really a guitar. It's a weird kind of drum, and you got to mm-hmm. fit and, and you can use it to glue that drum guy, in his trap kit, to the rest of the thing or not. <laughs>
4: Yeah.
0: <laughs> or let it fall apart. You know what I mean? It's really critical. And, and also, being low frequency, you got to watch which notes you pick because too many notes and you
4: ruin it. Yeah. I mean, I think that, uh, unfortunately, I'm a or fortunately, whichever way you look at it, I'm a busy drummer um, these days. And, uh, well, not all, probably... not all your kit.
0: Not all your kit, because your snare and your cymbals, they're all up in the high.
4: you you, you got a yeah. big spectrum. Yeah, but I do think that a lot of that is... It's about thinking of it as uh, like orchestration, you know, and I think a lot of every instrument does that. But the way that, uh, you know, I work on to this day, like a lot of West African kind of rhythms and trying to find that independence and and trying to figure out how all those parts work together solo. And then you put that with a group or other sounds and then it becomes uh, really interesting. Tony Adams. Yeah.
0: Fila Kunte. Right, right. And uh, who's the guy? I was way into that. Uh, Jack Bruce had a big uh, cream. Oh, uh, yeah. uh, Ginger Baker went and studied with him.
4: Yeah. And I think that, that that's something that um I was, you know, got this experience firsthand with like Milford Graves drumming. It's like where you have these polyrhythms playing at different tempos at, you know, so the pulse is there and the pulse is never and this was his big thing and I do think it comes back to the heart is that we our heart our heart and our living organisms are never working at the same tick metronomic tick all the time and and so it's going to breathe and uh the drumming or the bass playing it's all going to breathe and I think that that's something um that I try to keep in mind I guess
0: yeah and the different rates of breathing that's the syncopation yeah yeah, really interested. We're at the end of the first hour. Uh, oh. March 25, nope, 26, what? 2021, Jason <laughs> what Pedro Show. Special guest, Jeff Arnold. Hold tight for hour two. March 26, 2021, second hour, Watt Pedro Show.
6: Make any sound. I don't wanna deal with the end of the show. You say goodbye and I say no, no, no. I love you so much. Can you leave me alone? We hold each other in the pale. Oh
0: For Peter Show. Started the second hour with Silver Ash with Aaron Dugan. Or Dugan, sorry. Uh Casey Block, Jeff Harnall. Deathless. Well, and this is with Silver Ash, so I guess you guys are part of a you were helping out another group.
4: No, no, we were just uh Oh that was Silver the name of that
0: uh, Silver Ash is composed of those three guys. Yeah. Okay, okay.
4: Yeah, with Dugan and uh Casey Block on electronics.
0: Right, right. So it's not like there's this band with you three. You three make up fucking Silver Ash, <laughs> okay? Yeah,
4: that goes what, back to democracy too. Yeah, lots of like slow uh, learners. Yeah,
0: it, it, it's just semantics. Uh, ben Salter out of Tasmania, where Brian Ritchie is, with Enorme, uh, Lucas Sabella, I talked to him yesterday from Sydney. Eyes for Itchy. Mm. His thing's all about performance, but he's starting to learn about recording. He said, like four channel, fifth pale, pale bug, and I guess. Tailbug is composed of uh, Dietrich, Eichmann, John Hughes, mm-hmm. Astrid Veins, Vines, and uh, Jeff Arnold. You, okay, yeah. now I understand what the width means. Okay, because it would, it's it's yeah. almost like there was parentheses around you, and uh, so you go to school in, in Baltimore. Yeah, and then uh, what you're chasing down is composition uh, more than uh, performance.
4: I think so. So I ended up going to Peabody Conservatory, which was a, a music school in Baltimore and, um, studied, it was, you know, I played in an orchestra there and, uh, learned which is a terrifying experience, I have to say. Um, <laughs> and it, it always was and always is, uh, you know, and, but I really enjoyed that and I kind of made that decision because, uh, the person who was running that program, the percussion program there uh, is a person named, uh, John Haas and he is a timpanist, but he did all of this work with Frank Zappa. And I was kind of went on these little tangents, little paths in my life. And I was like, Oh, you know, he must be really cool. And I would love to learn how to, how, how do you do that? How do you play, uh, timpani and, and all of the other the mallet instruments in a band or, you know, in a project with, uh, Frank Zappa and so I went and studied with him but then in the course of that uh, time at Peabody I really started getting the composition bug and I ended up studying with another wonderful mentor in my life uh, Stuart Saunders Smith who's also a drummer but he's known as a composer and he writes super difficult music for uh, percussion he wrote a whole series for vibraphone Um, And so I had to get my reading together and um, like a lot of stuff where it's like five against four against, you know, 13, all of this kind of uh, (laughs) difficult stuff and, but beautiful, very organic. It does. It doesn't sound very mechanical. Um, It breathes. um, And he changed my life. He wrote down a couple names from our first lesson, which was, you know, before that cricket piece. So uh, 92, maybe. And. You know, he wrote down John Cage, he wrote down Karlheinz uh Stockhausen, he wrote down um, a couple other, Xenakis, uh, uh, and these kind of contemporary classical heavyweights. And I just like forget playing the drums for a while and just start thinking about sound and composing. You know, as far as rock and
0: that kind of situation, you ever hear Art Trip?
4: I know that name. He played yeah, with Frank Zappa, and
0: he started in the Cincinnati Symphony as, I think, even a teenager. He ended up playing with, I know him more from, I'm more of a Captain Beefheart guy.
4: Yeah, yeah. Well, same, right? i saying, right? So.
0: <laughs> and so he's got, uh, you know, the Captain names you, right? So his his Beefheart uh, magic band name was Ed Marimba. But uh, yeah. he started out, he he went from the clock to, to the rock, and you, know, and, you know, for me, let me get your take on this, Jeff. The whole idea genre is it music? Music,
4: yeah. Okay. I'm with you.
0: Okay, okay, okay. I, I want to play this uh, court, court you, Q.
4: Yeah, that's a street in Brooklyn, court you.
0: Okay, okay.
4: yeah. I mean, uh, sorry,
0: we had... <laughs> let's play it. <laughs> show that was uh, Cortell U Q, and Cortell U people is a st- <laughs> street in Brooklyn what you know he's been to Brooklyn but a lot to learn what and this was with a, a musical uh, project called Transit that had Jeff Harnell guest uh, Seth Mesterka Ruben Radding and Nate Woolley then we had uh, Brand Posse he's going to be a guest a couple months one arm yank with Secem M. Fuck that means. Uh, Mike Cooper after that on passing bamboo. Uh, Jeff Arnold finally with uh, Seth Mesterka, and Chris Dalgren in a mm. song called Red, not the King Crimson, but. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Don't about Bill Br- Bruford ever influence.
5: Oh
4: yeah. Yeah, he's killer. I no, mean, but just you know Bob Lee.
0: He, Bob Lee's a drummer friend of mine. He's in the Black Gang and shit. And we were talking the other day, just by coincidence, about that that uh, Mister uh, who's the guy on the stool, Fripp, Mister Robert Fripp. Oh yeah, yeah. He Robert actually Fripp. made tunes out of fucking prack rudiments that Bill Bruford would do. Oh yeah. Yeah, don't waste anything, right?
4: <laughs> yeah, I got to see. The... Some of that uh, stuff so influential and so free and uh, complex, but also it doesn't sound complex because it's um, you know that period in the early '80s where it was really connected to like gamelan music, you know, and uh, uh, with Adrian Blue and Fripp, it was really spectacular. The problem
0: was the voice, right? It sounded too much like the yeah. Talking Head guy. But but uh, I was thinking more of the early '70s. Oh yeah. The only thing I didn't like about Bruford and nothing just the the snare it sounded like a Timbali or a hungry seal dom, dom, dom.
4: <laughs>
0: but yeah incredible There's has a great
4: book called when in doubt roll like a drum book
0: <laughs> really <laughs> what's it like about reading about drums
4: um endless i mean there's so much to learn and there's so many different players and different uh you know i mean if you want to you know another person i saw in georgia all the way back then is a uh, I saw Tony Williams play. My God.
0: Well, you know uh, what? The first song I played today, Lifetime, Lifeboat. I was thinking of Lifetime.
4: Yeah. Great group. Um, yeah. He, um, but then, you know, that whole kind of lineage, uh, Tony Williams, Max Roach, uh, Elvin Jones, uh, Papa Joe Jones. And so that's, that's like you could just go spend a lifetime. Looking at that stuff, and then
0: Philly Joe Jones, about,
4: oh, Papa John Creek, but Philly Joe Jones, <laughs> Philly Joe Jones, yeah. You supposedly yeah.
0: that's how Miles lost his voice. Was hollering at him how to play something called the sock symbol. The hi hat was, it was just a pedal. You didn't hit it with sticks, right? You
4: doop doop, doop, doop <laughs> That's right. Early on, it was like that, and uh, it's just evolved and changed. Now some of those rigs, I mean. They're pretty complex.
0: You know the you know the, the the word trap, right? It's it's an abbreviation.
4: Tell me more. I'm Contra- curious.
0: Contraption. Oh, wow. It was invented in New Orleans. You know, Larry uh, from last two, last two years that I helped the Stooges with was the drummer man. He told me about that.
4: That's yeah, and it's that's a, great to know.
0: Yeah, it's a big evolution. That whole fucking thing. That's why, man. I don't want to shell drummers short. You know, the biggest fuck up the Minutemen did was not have, you know, last 20 years I've had my drummers at the front of the stage. Fuck this shit, putting them in the back, in the rear with lots of gear and hiding them. That's bullshit. That's denial. <laughs> <laughs> I am so, in a, so, so, uh, I want to celebrate. <laughs> the yeah. Drummer man. So uh, uh, you get out of college. What do you do? Yeah.
4: Well, I go back to college because you know I'm I'm a lifelong learner, I guess. And I think I, I think so that's why Anyway, I went to go anyway. and studied with Milford Graves. Okay. That's who I studied with. a okay. uh, Graduate program. Okay. Up at Bennington, um, and that's where I met my wife uh, Estelle, who was a dancer, who is a dancer and choreographer.
0: Upstate New York.
4: It, it's in Vermont and near. It's oh no, Bennington. Yeah, York.
0: yeah. What am I saying?
4: I'm thinking Binghamton. <laughs> That, yeah, Binghamton's in New York. And Milford was at <laughs> Bennington from 71 until he retired. And there was another important, uh, really wonderful uh, composer and uh, trumpet player, Bill Dixon, at uh, Bennington as well.
0: That, that's beautiful. You know what? I don't think you the classroom is over till you're dead, even though it yeah, might not I be agree. in an institution. Yeah, this is a fallacy that we stop learning at some point.
4: Yeah, and it was never really, I mean, I didn't know, and I still don't know, like, well, what's next? You know, I just knew that I wanted, I went—I kept going from Baltimore up to New York to see Milford, and I kept going to his concerts, and, you know, just wanted to learn more from him, and I'm glad I did.
0: That's beautiful. That's beautiful. We're at the second hour, March 26 2021, Dishwatt, Peter Show, special guest, Jeff Ardome. Hold tight
4: for hour three interesting because a lot of it you just have to figure out i mean you know every life is so uh you know my job now i mean i don't know i just have to it's like learning on the job all the time because we're constantly changing
0: beautiful beautiful people march 26 2021 it's third hour of the watch for show. <laughs>
5: I'm <laughs>
0: Pedro Show start off the third hour with Carriage Barn from Charles Gale, Jeff Arnall. Charles Gale. Mm. Uh, he's a man who quit for a while, right?
4: He did. And K- yeah. uh,
0: Nels Klein was one of the cats who helped get him back.
4: Charles is a uh, phenomenal uh, saxophone player and piano player and human human being.
0: Okay. Okay. Crane after that with Lessons in Life. Vision Festival 13. This was you with uh, John Dierker? That's great. Beef, for Man,
4: mm-hmm.
0: and something live that's, I guess, untitled, right? You didn't play the whole festival, <laughs>
4: we played one set, yeah, yeah, yeah. Other <laughs> people probably played also, <laughs> but you know, why not? You know, that's a whole thing, right? There, yeah, so, right. Titles, right. right,
0: right. What about titles? You being yeah. in, in composition mode and stuff, are they important?
4: Sometimes they are, and sometimes they aren't. I mean, I, I like the. I like to think about places, you know, and that's where you get like this quartile, you, uh, you know, and uh, but then other, uh, if there's something in the moment uh, and it is an improvisation, then, you know, you could go back and name it or you could just leave it as the place where it took place, you know, like the Vision Festival 13.
0: Yeah, okay. A lot of this stuff that you gave me, is it a hundred percent composed, or some, there's some improvisation going on?
4: <laughs> I would say um, it's about 70-30. seventy thirty. It's kind of seventy uh, improvised, thirty percent framework and structure. Okay,
0: so you know because it seems like the, there are two sides of the right of the music coin, but are they? Because I like this. You're you're one of the first cats who say that you can incorporate improv into composition like this idea of of free music right Mm -hmm. can it still be free but you you make compositions what what, what was jack wright call it or or bob marsh he he said jumping from the pole jumping from the pole well if you know where you're
4: supposed to land are you still jumping from the pole well i think that um these playing situations and playing partners is definitely part of it where you're at in your own personal growth, as far as the musician and what you're into that day. I mean, my drumming today from yesterday is going to be different, even if I'm working on the same stuff in the same thing. And it's like with you touring, you know, you're playing uh, every, you know, same set, set, but different cities, it's going to turn out a little bit different. Um, The idea of, uh, you know, if one's valued more than the other, I, I doubt it very seriously. Um, I don't buy you. Uh, it's just music. One thing over the other.
0: Yeah. But, uh, but they are, they are kind of two different approaches, right? One is the the, bl- the blank slate, right? Get away from everything, you know, and be in the moment. And, and what we're doing here, especially if it's an ensemble, is you're trying to build a dialogue.
4: Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like a conversation. And, and that's where you could, like my family, you, everyone talks over each other and no, you know, but are you listening maybe a little bit? And, uh, uh, and you're adding uh, to someone else's kind of argument or somebody else's point and, uh And it's maybe making harmony, maybe making uh, dissonance. Um, those kinds of things come out. I, I think that uh, having a framework or structure is helpful. But I, I also think that we'll never really, because we all are creatures of habit and we're practicing. So how can we really, if we know how to play an instrument, um, we do have those kinds of physical mechanics that we have kind of our bodies memorized. And that's what I've learned a lot from working with dancers over the years is that dancers are incredible. Like they have the whole three-dimensional space plus time plus sound plus everything else that we think about, but they have to think about the, you know, moving in space and other bodies.
0: Absolutely. And so it,
4: be- it becomes really complex. And, um, but the mechanics, that's the thing is that you go, uh, you know, I know how to do certain things on the drums and I could try to work on new things that were, but it, I think are who we are kind of a, a, in essence and that kind of little spirit or spark gets, you know, a little bit bigger or in, in different situations or kind of, you know, maybe sharper, or, you know, in the background than other situations. I don't know. Here's
0: a theory I got. The first okay, the first drum was the planet Earth, and the first drumsticks was the bottom of human feet, and mm. dancing was the first fucking drumming. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Here, let's listen to "Walking in Rotterdam."
3: Streets. People smiles to know what is worthwhile. We only have the moments, we don't need anything more.
0: Waffle Feedro Show, last music for this edition. Walking in Rotterdam. This is Kurt Kloninger, Jeff Arnold, Yucca from uh, Japan. They'd probably say Yucca. Fun. And then Kalinicic and Tivian, two guys in Nashville. We have only the moment. And finally, Jeff Arnold, Dietrich Eichmann, Live in Hamburg, Part One.
4: There's a title.
0: So titles kind of come last in your. Do you ever start with the title?
4: Probably not. I mean, if like I used to make some bad films, uh, you know, and maybe they started at that point with that that stuff.
0: No, I ask because Watt always has to compose with the title first. And like nobody I know, I ask all kinds of people. Nobody does it that way. Because <laughs> I need I a mean, focus. I need an anchor. You know, I'm. I'm Sorry, entertainer. What can I say? Uh, so you said you've been using the situation we got going to compose. Uh, but are you still collaborating? Or are you tra- trading files over the Internet?
4: Yeah, that's what we've been doing. Or I've been doing. Um, and I'm sure lots of other folks are doing it. Um oh,
0: Watt's been doing a bubble every fucking day.
4: Oh, cool, man. Um, yeah, I think it's, it is, it's a lifeline. Um, and, you know, I stopped drumming for a bit. And... And during the shutdown, gave me uh, some time to actually see that, oh, yeah, I have a this drum set and I really miss um, the joy of playing music and the joy of connecting with friends all over the place. And so, you know, I just re- read, like, say someone like uh, Aaron Dugan and Jason Fraticelli, guys that I knew them for a long time. And they, um, you know, it was really, it was like being in the same room again. Uh, it's not, Exactly the same, but it's definitely um, sustenance. You know, it's definitely nurturing for me.
0: Yeah. And, you know, you're a guy who got started later in music uh, on your device and then fucking, you know, grabbed it by the horns and ran with it or rode it, top of it. What advice would you give to somebody who maybe ain't a kid? You know, like, every what, everybody starts as a kid, you know? Like I mentioned Joe Bison at 27. Vincent uh, started painting at the last 10 years of his life. Yeah. What would be your advice, Jeff?
4: I mean, I do think that joy is part of what we do. And so I think if that's there, if there's this little bit of a spark, um, I think that the part of the equation that we're always or I miss and maybe others miss, is time, you know, and the time that you put into something and uh and just being patient with it and having fun with it because uh and and being curious. I do I am I uh and I think this is uh has brought me to where I'm at today. Uh I work at the Black Mountain College Museum, uh and Art Center in Nashville, North Carolina. And this place is extremely important to me because of its its place in the history of art and culture in the in, in the world, but also because of it was a place that really allowed experimentation. And I think that, that would that would be advice that it's okay to experiment. It's okay not to sound like everyone else or not to sound like what they're gonna play at, on the radio or um you know to do it your own way. And it you know I have to give you, give uh uh credit where credit is due. Um, you know, that goes back to the beginning. Uh REM in the uh, Minuteman on November thirtieth, nineteen ninety five. <laughs> so I'm looking at the ticket like <laughs> <laughs>
0: So you're saying, like, keep on keeping on, even though it might, you know, especially when you're first starting to learn, just be patient. Just keep at
4: it. Yeah, I think that some people might want to. uh, And I mean, I I love sometimes people are just geniuses. Right. And they could just play whatever right right, right right away. Um, But sometimes it, it does take some time. And but that time that you put into it, uh, being patient and finding other people that you want to do it with, I think is important. And I think community is important with all of this. And I think that that's part of friendship and part of, uh, how we support each other and how, uh, independent art keeps alive.
0: That's great. That's beautiful. It's been a big honor to have you on the show, Jeff. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mike. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you get some new music record with your buddies and shit. Come back on the show. and let, Let's rap with them. And uh, yeah.
4: we, uh, get further down the music road. All right, man. Uh, it's been a, a, a great uh, honor. And thank you again for doing what you do.
0: Oh, right back, right back. Like you said, community, huh? People, it's been March 26, 2021. This Pedro should keep your powder dry.